What's happening, people? Welcome back to the Rotobomb Podcast. Pete Davidson here. You there? Hope all is well with you guys. I've really uh, missed talking to you. Um, before we get started, uh, rest in peace, John Clayton, uh, one of everybody's favorites over at ESPN. Uh, obviously a great guy, and watching that freaking Slayer commercial like 20 times in the last uh, 24 hours um, has provided me with some good laughs. Man, that is a classic. Uh, rest in peace to John. Great guy. Um, so going to be structuring, um, I don't know, the next, say, handful of podcasts um, in a format where we're going to sort of talk player news at the top, going to work in a couple coaching uh, changes in the middle of the podcast to try to cover all the different types of scheme fit uh, changes around the NFL, um, which is important to do before the draft. And then we're going to close podcasts talking uh, usually about a handful of rookies each pod. Um, today I've got uh, two or three I hope to get to. Um, and, you know, before uh, before we get to the um the actual NFL draft, and before we start uh, getting into our dynasty drafts, uh, hopefully we're going to you know cover most of the uh, say top forty or fifty players in terms of ADP. Um, so once again, um, welcome back. Uh, I'm sure today's audience is not uh, like the audience was the last time we talked. Uh, a lot of you guys probably thought I was never coming back, but I'm back, baby. Um, and again, thanks for being here. Um, so uh, let's kick this thing off by getting into some player news, transactions, obviously. I'm looking to get this pod in around 40, 50 minutes. We'll see how good I am at getting it in under the wire. Obviously, it's not a strength of mine. Um, and we we could easily do five hours on all the transactions just in the last couple of days. Um, so I'm going to try to keep um, the takes as brief as possible, let you guys know where I'm at with a lot of this stuff. Um, so let, let's let's get right to it. And, you know, really, there, there are so many places we could start. I mean, so much just mad shit has gone down in the NFL the last couple days. Um, let's let's kick this thing off with Brady. Let's start with Brady, which which oddly enough isn't really a a transaction. Is, is coming out of retirement a transaction? I guess it is. Um, this is you know Tom Brady has really become, become like a compelling character. You know, I mean, it, I, 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 we, I've talked so much about Brady the last couple of years. I, I don't want to get too long winded here. Um, let me just say this. Props to, to Brady for guts, if nothing else. I, I, I personally think he should stay retired um, because I think the situation in Tampa, it, it's gone, you know, when it got, a, it was great his first year there. They were really primed. That roster was in such good shape. Great coaching, you know. And then last year, it wasn't quite as good. They slipped a little bit. Obviously, they had some injuries. Uh, things got a little tougher. Um, they did not catch as many breaks as they did. Uh, Brady one year older. Now Brady's going to come back. This is now we've seen that, you know, he's close. He's close to leaving the game, but he's coming back. But, you know, look, they lost Marpet on the line. That is not a small thing. Tristan Wirfs, we don't know if he's going to be at the top level. If, 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 if Tristan Wirfs is not himself, if he's just good and he's not great, and if Marpet is gone, that's a material loss on the offensive line. And any loss for Brady on that offensive line is going to matter. Uh, he needs Cadillac protection at this point. We don't talk about it a lot because he's been getting it. But if suddenly the protection goes down, if it goes from A-plus where it's been down to B-plus, that is going to make a big difference with a guy like Brady. Whereas it might, you know, a guy like Deshaun Watson, you might not even notice. A guy like Tom Brady, you absolutely will. So it, it's something to watch. I am I do, I do not have the confidence I would have if 
Wirfs wasn't coming off that injury to his uh, ankle, um, a surgery, uh, and if Marpet wasn't gone. These are good players. Um, additionally, Godwin uh, you know, is back. They signed him. That's great. But... Uh, you know, Godwin, uh, week 15, if I'm not mistaken, his injury. So that, well, you know, 16, 17, 18 months or so playoffs. You know, he's got about a two-month, two maybe a little bit less head start on a guy like Odell Beckham who got hurt in the Super Bowl. So, you know, God, I, I don't think Godwin certainly is not a lock to be ready week one um, and is certainly not a lock to be himself early on in the season. Now, I would think by the season's midpoint, Godwin is getting into his groove. Um, you know, if we're talking about Tampa making a playoff run, I think Godwin probably is going to be a good asset for them. But uh, when it comes to fantasy, you know, who knows? I don't know when Godwin's going to be Godwin. Um, now, props to Tampa because Russell Gage comes in and gives them a guy who can play the Godwin role. Obviously, you've got Gronk and you've got Evans. I mean, look, Gronk's coming back. I mean, who are we kidding ourselves? Um, if, if You know, we'll, we'll definitely change our perspective if Gronk doesn't come back because Gronk big effect in, in terms of being a target, but, it, you know, with, with Marpet gone, with Worfs maybe not being himself, Gronk's ability to pass protect uh, uh, and even run block is big for Tampa. Everything Gronk does becomes more important with these injuries on the line. So um, more needs to go right for Tampa. Props to Brady for coming back in a situation that isn't quite as good, although it's still obviously very good. He's got a great coach. They were able to retain both of the coordinators through maybe happenstance more than anything else. And I wonder if that has something to do with Brady coming back. I wonder if Brady's like, hey, there's so much left intact. He still obviously has the, you know, the sickness, <laughs> the addiction, as uh, Evan Silva called it in my case when it came to fantasy football. Uh, so, you know, this is compelling stuff. I'm interested to see how it all plays out. Um, Evans, I think Mike Evans clearly is in a really good fantasy place for this year. Uh, and we're going to have to see how the backfield shakes out. Um, so that's, that's we're going to start with the quarterbacks. That's the first one. Um, we're going to wait on Watson. That's a big one. Let's, let's talk about Trubisky, Mitch Trubisky, just for a second. He's in uh, Pittsburgh. And by the way, I think this is going to be a good podcast for people who have you know, taking a couple weeks off. We're going to try to bring you back up to speed here. Um, you know, Trubisky, obviously, I think is an upgrade on the the, <laughs> the ancient corpse uh, that was Ben Roethlisberger the last few years. Roethlisberger's elbow never came back. He had nothing on the ball. Uh, he did not like to take hits the way he used to. Wasn't able to move the way he used to. It, it, it was simply time. Roethlisberger's a guy who took a lot of physical beatings over the course of his career. Uh, and then when you take away the arm strength, He's just a guy back there who had experience, who could process the game, but he just didn't have enough physicality left. It was time. I think we all understand that. It was pretty obvious. Um, but, you know, when it comes to Drabisky, okay, so we're getting a guy who's got a strong arm. He's mobile. Um, not a real big quarterback, but he's big enough. Um, some interesting things about him, you know, you know, it, I don't have any doubt that Trubisky can play the game physically. Uh, can he run the scheme? Can he get it clicking so he's distributing effectively? Is he going to make the receivers viable for fantasy? I don't know. I think that's an open question. Uh, additionally, Trubisky's a bit of a TD vulture. I'm not sure if people have done the math um, you know, on that. Uh, you know, when it comes to Najee, uh, who is really, people are really leaning in on him after sort of a, you know, a rookie year that was more about uh, counting stats than him playing all that well, although he's a good back. I like him. Um, but, you know, the fact that 
Steelers don't have a great offensive line. Trubisky may not get the offense clicking, and he's a TD vulture. I can see plenty of reasons to not lean in on Harris, personally. Um, more on that as the season unfolds. But, you know, tr- just you know, back to this, this vulture thing for a second. Would it surprise anybody if Trubisky stayed afloat with his legs early on? You could have sort of a Sam Darnold scenario where, like, man, Trubisky won't stop scoring touchdowns with his feet, which isn't helping our receivers and is killing the running back, but... Makes him a reasonably decent start. Um, let's move down to Carson Wentz. Not all that dissimilar from the Trubisky uh, situation. He's sort of a bigger Mitch Trubisky in some ways. In some ways. Um, I don't know how this is going to work out for Washington. Uh, Wentz is a guy who clearly... Th- that ACL injury just derailed the guy's career. Um, you know, he, he hasn't been the same since. He doesn't, you know, I don't think he trusts his mobility. Or certainly when he came back, he didn't trust his mobility, which led to him getting hit too much. Uh, he, you know, it, the, the fact that he holds the ball when he doesn't want to run, it becomes a big problem. Uh, he, got, he started getting hit a lot. Uh, and you, you can see him thinking a lot of the time back there. Um, he's a guy who desperately needs to just get the ball rolling positively so he can get his mental confidence back a little bit. Will it happen? I don't know. Um, Wentz has got issues. I'm not even going to get into all the off-field stuff. The fact that he's now sort of lost two teams. I mean, his Eagles teammates didn't seem to like him. Colts didn't seem to want him back, not just because of the way he blew the end of the season. So Wentz is a guy who needs to sort of reestablish himself as a team leader, as a guy that people want to play with and for. Um, But the upside, um, is I do think Wentz is good for Terry McLaurin, who gets defined separation consistently. Wentz is a guy who has trouble seeing it. That's not a problem when you play with Terry McLaurin. So the Wentz to McLaurin connection could be pretty good. Wentz can throw the ball. Uh, he can hit a moving target when he's right. Uh, and you know this is a team where McLaurin has been succeeding with suboptimal QB play throughout his career. So you know the hiccups that you get with a Carson Wentz or anything McLaurin's not used to, but you get strengths with Wentz that he hasn't had. So I think for, for McLaurin, um, it's hard to see him being any worse, and I can see how this would make him better um, on a couple levels. So I do like this for McLaurin. Um, let's get into a little bit of um, Russell Wilson later on when we talk about the coaches, because I'm going to talk about uh, Nathaniel Hackett. Um, so let's jump right down to um, to Watson. Um you know, obviously, we've got the suspension hanging over it, and I'm, I'm not going to get into the off-field stuff. You guys know what I'm like with that stuff. I think, you know, I, obviously there's a lot of questions about this guy. There's civil suits pending. So many people accusing him. This is potentially a little bit of a problem for the NFL, but let's just talk about the fantasy angle here. Watson is a phenomenal quarterback for fantasy, a damn good NFL quarterback, too. Um you know, we talked about it coming out. He's a guy who is from the neck up, very quick. He makes decisions. He's he holds the ball because of his athleticism, not because he doesn't see it. Right? He holds the ball because he's waiting to see something better. But Watson's a guy where when he needs to deliver the ball, he's good at finding a place to put it. He understands defenses. Um, he's going to be playing behind the best off line, best offensive line he's ever played behind. Um, he's not going to have maybe the 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 offensive weaponry at receiver that he's had throughout his career. He's not going to have a nuke, but Amari Cooper's a heck of a, of, uh, of a receiver. Donovan Peoples-Jones is an upcoming guy who can do a lot of things with a, a mobile quarterback. Definitely some potential excitement there. Njoku is a guy, uh, gives him a big target, can can do an awful lot um, um, after the catch. Uh, and, and in addition to that offensive line with Chubb and with Hunt, 
Deshaun Watson's going to have a running game unlike anything he's ever had. So the play action is going to stick. Um, you know, when he runs those boots, like in the, the, the Texas boots, he was getting chased right from the get-go. There's going to be more bite on those play action fakes now. He's going to have that extra split, split second when he runs those those play action boots. I'm excited about that. Um, and another guy to mention here is Anthony Schwartz, who could be an exciting downfield weapon uh, in addition um, to, to Peoples-Jones and Njoku. Um, so th- there's a lot of really good things in this offense. Um you know, look, if Watson plays 16 games, he'd be the QB1 in this offense. It's very possible. He's going to be a fantasy monster. If you invested in this guy um, and stole him in like a startup last year, from a fantasy standpoint, you're looking really, really good right now. Um, and, and the one thing I would say with this team is I would expect them to add some speed. Um, they've given away so many draft picks. I don't think it makes sense to make a splash at receiver at this point. You've got enough. Um, what I would expect is for them to bring in maybe a couple deep specialists, some guys like uh, you know John Ross, or Steve Slayton, if he becomes free for some reason, the Deshaun Jackson, people in that, you know, Marquise Goodwin kind of people, one or two of those types of guys in addition to a guy like Anthony Schwartz. And I think they've got the complete puzzle there. Watson, to the extent that he plays this year, is going to be a fantasy monster. He should make a lot of these other guys hugely relevant for fantasy. Love what Njoku uh, could be this year, given that they've cleared out uh, so much playing time for him. And the fact that they've clearly wanted him. Uh, things got ugly two or so years ago with Njoku and the Browns, and clearly they've just gotten a lot better. Um, so there's a lot of great stuff going on for fantasy in Cleveland. The big question, obviously, is going to be, What's the situation with this suspension? I would be really surprised if Watson doesn't get one. The question is, the money question is, A, what does the NFL feel that he deserves? And then B, how much does the fact that he sat last year out entirely factor into this? Does it matter at all? Um, we're going to find out. I mean, it would not shock me if the NFL's like, well, he already missed a year. We're going to give him like a two-game suspension, um, and then it's over. Like, that would not surprise me. But the NFL saying he's out for half the year would not surprise me either. We're just going to have to see how it breaks down. Okay, so we hit uh, four quarterbacks. We're going to hit one more when we get to uh, the Broncos. Let's, uh, let's, talk a couple, let, let's talk about some of these skill guys. Um, and, and just so you know what, uh, what I'm going to do here is I'm going to go through as many of these guys as I can. There's no way I'm going to get to them all. Um, I will try to get to the guys who slipped through the cracks um, in the next couple uh, of episodes. Um, I didn't mention Drew Locke, a quarterback. I, I'm not convinced he's the guy there yet, although I think I, it is, you guys may know I, I'm a little more intrigued by Drew Locke than most people. I don't think he's great or anything, but I think his, uh, his mobility arm strength is, is sometimes undersold, and if for some reason he was able to put it together, uh, he's got a lot of fantasy potential. So, um, you know, Locke's always a guy I pay attention to, but Clearly, there's plenty of reasons why he might uh, fail uh, as well. Um, real quick, let's go through some of these tight ends. Uh, let's start there. Uh, we talked about some quarterbacks. Let's talk about some tight ends. Uh, Ertz, Zach Ertz, re-ups with Arizona for three years, uh, 30 mil. So that's you know, that's a sizable contract for a guy who a lot of people were talking about, like, you know, he was dust. Uh, clearly, he wasn't. He's a guy who's got a nice skill set. Uh, he was never really fast, so, you know, there's a whole, not a whole lot to lose there. Uh, he looked, you know, like he was getting a little better post-injury uh, throughout the year. He's looking a little bit more like the Zach Ertz we'd known when he was 100%. Um, and, look, the bottom line here is you've got a, a big target, short quarterback. This guy runs effective routes. The thing about Zach Ertz is he understands how to 
when a play breaks down, he knows how to get free and present to a quarterback. He's really good at it. Um, it's something we've seen not, you know, with all the quarterbacks he's played with, we've seen this quality. So I think Ertz, I mean, I like Zach Ertz in general, but I really like him uh, with uh, Kyler. I think it's it's a good spot for him. He's going to, you know, I, he's a guy you can probably start most weeks next year. Um, O.J. Howard to the Bills. Very compelling to me. First of all, one year, 3.5. They got him on the cheap. Um, you know, Knox is the guy there, but, you know, one injury to Knox, and who knows what O.J. Howard could do in that scheme. O.J. Howard playing with a quarterback who demands, like, spy attention, where the, the team will will move and sway with the quarterback. That creates real opportunity for a guy like O.J. Howard, who's not a route technician, but who's just nasty after the catch. So O.J. Howard to the Bills, I mean, you know, if everything breaks according to plan in Buffalo, he's probably a role player, but, uh, you know, a couple injuries here or there, and you never know, O.J. Howard could end up being something. So he's definitely a guy to pay attention to, know that he switched teams. I like him as a super cheap ad in Dynasty. Uh, Hayden Hurst, another guy who, uh, and this is sort of the theme with these tight ends. Finally, we're getting tight ends who are moving in ways that help them. Um, we're spreading out the talent. Some of these jammed uh, tight end rooms have been uh, dispersed. Um, and I do think tight end, you know, as it looks now, tight end production should be easier to find next year than it was this year. Of course, <laughs> we do say that every offseason. Anyway, Hayden Hurst to the Bengals. Gets him away from pits, uh, gets him to a good quarterback situation. Additionally, Hurst is a guy who runs good underneath routes. He's got good hands. He's good after the catch. Um, you know, not great, but good. Um, he's just a, a really good all-around tight end. He's got every skill you want. Nothing about Hayden Hurst just pops off the screen, but he's a good football player. Um, and now you're going to bring him to a team where you've got a route technician in the slot. You've got two dynamic outside weapons who are going to just absolutely dominate safeties. I mean, all the safety help on this team, it's got to go to Chase and Higgins, for crying out loud. You also have a good running game. So when you put Hayden Hurst into all this, first of all, he's going to help this team because he can do whatever they need on whatever the play is. But when it comes to fantasy, Hurst is going to be very efficient. Obviously, Burrow's a good quarterback. He knows how to throw to the tight ends. He targets his tight ends. So, you know, I don't, you know, it couldn't have, I don't see Hayden Hurst getting a much better break than the one he just got, you know, he wasn't going to be some, some guy that teams go out to get him so they can feature him, so this was really about as good as it was going to get, if you have Hayden Hurst, um, I, you know, I think, you know, you, you just, you know, you, he just turned into a guy who's a fringe tight end two to a guy who could be a fringe tight end one, that's pretty nice, and he's still fairly, uh, we joke about how old Hayden Hurst is, but I don't think he's 30 yet. So I think he's 28, uh, if memory serves. Anyway, um, so right, you know, he's Hayden Hurst has got right in the prime of his career now. So it would not surprise me one bit if this year, next year, 2024, this guy was a pretty good tight end who, who gave us some fantasy production. Uh, Mo Ali Cox re-ups three years, 18 mil with the Colts. Um, if they sign a quarterback who can make that offense function correctly, and if Mo Ali Cox can stay healthy below the waist, if the knees, um, you know, can be relatively healthy, he's a guy who can surprise people. Uh, and here's one I really like. Um, and you guys know I'm always sort of. I'm never going to sit here and pretend Evan Ingram's not talented just because he's been sort of a dog at times on the field. And he has been. Evan Ingram has lost his confidence. He's played a little bit of disinterested football here or there. Now, <laughs> he's had to play for some real madmen in, in New York. The coaching in New York has been suboptimal, to put it mildly, okay? So I understand Evan Ingram was a discouraged football player at some point. Still never really an excuse to play that way. But he's going to a place 
A, that wants him, B, that is going to understand how to use him. He's going to a coach who understands how to use tight ends and Peterson. He's going to a quarterback who can stand there in the pocket and deliver the ball. This is going to be the best quarterback play he's probably had, probably. It's going to be the best coaching he's had, probably. Well, definitely. Um, And really, when you look around that scheme, who on that team is going to just pull targets away uh, from Evan Ingram? Not necessarily anyone. I mean, you know, uh, I like the Christian Kirk edition, but um, Evan Ingram is in a spot now, at the bare minimum, he's out of excuses. If Evan Ingram's a dog this year, he's a dog. Um, But if if Evan, easy for me to say, if Evan Ingram stays healthy, He's got top five tight end potential this year. I know it's a lot to say, but he's that talented. And Lawrence is a quarterback. If he just takes a good step forward this year, is just a, he's a good quarterback. So I'm, I, you know, I, I am not going to let the the absolute shitstorm that occurred in Jacksonville last year to tarnish this young quarterback who I think is a good kid or a good player at the very least. Um, Gasecki tagged by Miami. That's good. Um, he should retain most of his value, has the potential to get better. If that Gasecki's going to be a product of that offense. If that offense is kicking ass, he should be a pretty good fantasy tight end. Uh, Ricky Seals-Jones to the Giants, certainly something to pay attention to. He's got a lot of athleticism. Uh, the Giants with Dayball could be better coach. We're going to talk about Dayball in a future pod. Um, Uzoma and Tyler Conklin to the Jets. Obviously, Uzoma opens up that playing time for Hurst uh, in Cincinnati. But him and Conklin to the Jets now. Even if one of them had gone to the Jets, I don't see them being a big fantasy factor. They could be guys to use as bi-week replacements. The fact that they're both going to be there, the fact that they're both probably going to be playing fairly heavy snaps means that neither one of them is likely to become much for fantasy. Uh, If there's an injury to Uzoma or to Conklin, then the other one could then become fantasy viable. Still probably not all that great. Um, The good thing for Uzoma and Conklin to the Jets is, obviously we talked about Hurst, um, but it also opens up some potentially good um, situations for Irv Smith in Minnesota. If Smith comes back from that foot injury and he's running the way he can run, then you're going to have a guy like Irv Smith who is going to feed off of, obviously Thielen's always going to, you need to put some Decent coverage on Adam Thielen. Justin Jefferson is going to be demanding doubles. And you have got a really strong ground game in Minnesota. So, you know, the last thing defenses are going to be thinking about is, what are we going to do with Irv Smith? And Smith is good enough to make that work. And he's got a quarterback who can deliver the ball. So, Irv Smith, probably a guy no one's talking about. Probably a guy who, at least in deep leagues, certainly deep tight end premium leagues, uh, should be on some people's uh, list. Um uh, recent news, Austin Hooper uh, to the Titans. Gotta love that. He should become the lead dog there um, with a you know, with great ground game uh, and with a with a, with an alpha monster in A.J. Brown. There's going to be plenty of room to operate for Hooper. He should be able to just just draft to, st- to some statistics. So he is back uh, more of a viable fantasy asset after being cut and re-signed than he would have been in Cleveland. So generally speaking, the movement for tight ends has been good for most of the tight ends who are moving and has created playing time in their wake um, with some good guys. So uh, now this may not be good for fantasy because it just, you know, the, the thing to learn here, I think, is that replacement level tight end one tight end production you know getting tight end production in the 7 8 9 10 11 12 13 14 area i think is going to be a lot easier this year 
Um, so if you're not reaching for a stud tight end, I think even more than last year, you know, getting into that dead zone tight end area is not going to be something you need to do this year because there's just going to be plenty of production. Streaming tight end is probably going to be fairly easy to do. Okay, let's jump over and talk about some of these receivers. We're already getting low on time here. Um, again, whatever I don't get to, we're just going to throw over into the next podcast. Um, but we have done pretty well with these uh, quarterbacks and these tight ends. Let's let's hit some of these big names uh, at receiver at the very least. We'll hit some of the smaller names too. Um, you know, one last note on quarterbacks. You know, Jameis Winston is going to go somewhere. He's going to help some dynasty GMs out. I guess the question is which ones. Um, it would seem his most likely destination is going to be New Orleans. Uh, and if he goes there, I think that's good news. Um, you know, for Michael Thomas and all the other pass catchers there. Uh, you know, Winston, we don't know what kind of NFL quarterback he is. He seems to have gotten better. I think the coaching he received, uh, the humility he's had to deal with, I, it seems like it's had a positive effect on him. I'm rooting for the kid. He's he's worked hard at this point. Um, he stayed away from problems. Um, you know, we'll see what he can do. But the bottom line is, James Winston can throw the ball a little bit. He can deliver the ball. He does not kill the skill players around him. They can get their counting stats. I think you know most of our guys in, in, in you know in um, New Orleans will be fine if he goes there. Um, the Colts need a guy who. They need a guy who can lead a team. They need a guy who can, you know, he needs to own the scheme. He needs to take responsibility for that offense and run it right. Uh, a guy the team can get behind. The two guys I, that I feel the most go into the Colts are Jimmy G and Mariota. I think both of them would work there for slightly different reasons. Um, we'll see how that shakes out. Um, and now let's talk about these receivers. Obviously, the the big names, we'll hit the biggest name first, uh, Devontae Adams to the Raiders. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> did not really see that coming. The the, the post uh, trade details are maybe even more surprising than the trade. Um, but you know, obviously Adams and Rogers were fairly tight. They had a really serious on field connection. I don't think Rogers wanted to lose Adams. I don't think there's any way. But on the uh, you know on, on the Green Bay side here, it leaves a big cavernous void and salary cap that they can fill with another receiver. They've got draft picks. they got another draft pick back in the deal, um, a first-rounder and a second-rounder, I think. So, you know, they're going to be able to fill some holes. Um, and that's a team where they're going to have some depth now. When you have a guy like Rodgers, depth is big. Um, so certainly it takes a little bit off that high-end connection. They still have a high-end player there, um, you know, in Aaron Jones. So they still have some special on that team. Let's see who they bring in, in, you know, instead of Adams. I was, you know, Odell Beckham would be a really interesting player here. I mentioned it yesterday on Twitter because this is a team that can easily survive with what they have with Rodgers and the running game and a good defense, and the AFC is not particularly strong. Their division is not particularly strong. You know, Green Bay should be able to coast to the playoffs, I think. Um, and then if they get Beckham back midseason and if Beckham were sort of his old self by the time the playoffs rolled around, wow, that could be pretty effective. And again, Beckham wouldn't be the only guy. They could bring back MVS in addition to Beckham. They can draft a receiver in the first round. There's a lot of receivers in this draft. They could get a guy in the second round who could really help Rodgers. So Green Bay, I think, is still very interesting. Um, now let's move over to the Raiders. The, the thing about this trade that's interesting, you know, as, as Adam Levitan likes to say, what we've got like a shower scenario here, um, Adams and Carr were a great connection at Fresno. And and I, I'm into this just because I watched so much Carr-Adams film back in the day. It's one of the reasons I was sticking to my Devontae Adams, um, you know, evaluation long after he was considered a bust. And I mean, Adams is one of those weird players where he busted out fairly hard and then became an absolute stud. Um 
it, it, it never surprised me. And you can talk to my boy Jim Hackett. He and I did a trade. I got Devontae Adams in a league from him for, oh gosh, I think it was for Kirk Cousins. Now, Hackett didn't really make a terrible trade there because he needed the quarterback and it, it was a salary kind of league and Adams at the time was just a talented guy who'd never really gotten it done. Um, it was a good timing deal for me. But the reason I bring it up isn't to, to roast Hack so much as to say, I mean, I love roasting Hackett, obviously, but, you know, he was one of those guys where you stick with the talent and he was available for a song. Um, and now he's getting this, this, this monster deal. Um, now, and again, the reason that I always sort of stuck with him because I watched so much car to Devontae at Fresno State. And it's probably the reason I've never fully soured on Derek Carr, even when he was struggling in his career, um, the, you know, after he broke his leg and, you know, he, you know, he struggled a little bit in that time. Um, the interesting thing about this, the thing that I just keep coming back to in my mind, you know, the the, the overriding take on Carr is something to the effect of um, he's, you know, he's solid, but he's unexciting. He's conservative. He won't let it fly. And, you know, if you watch the film, that's, that's not an unreasonable, um, st you know, stance to take. But here's the thing. The one guy I've always, you know, my, it surprised me how conservative Carr was when I saw him playing in the NFL because he was not like that at Fresno. And maybe the reason is because Devontae Adams is a monster, right? Devontae Adams, if you look at the Fresno film, he's not the same guy that we get to know in Green Bay. Adams is a, a, a guy who could really go up and get the football. He was a downfield threat. Um, it would not surprise me that... What we see this year with Devontae may be somewhat similar to what we see with Michael Thomas in that, in Thomas' cases, it was Drew Brees that made him a short area receiver. In Adams' case, it was the fact that they had to use him as a volume weapon because they had so little else. With the Raiders, you obviously have a possession receiver who's very good um, in Renfro, and you've got some other outside receivers, and you've obviously got a big stud, fast tight end. So... There are other guys. They're going to be able to balance the field, and I think Devontae Adams is going to be much more active on the second level and even the third level than we've seen. And I think we may see, and it's the million-dollar question. I'm not predicting, but I'm saying don't discount the possibility that we see a more aggressive Derek Carr. And when you look at the division they play in, with the other quarterbacks and these other offenses now, Russell Wilson in Denver, and obviously the Chargers with, with Herbert, and we know about the Chiefs, the game situations themselves may force aggression. The fact that Adams is there gives him confidence to be more aggressive. Derek Carr's a little bit of a sleeper. Just, just don't discount that this may work out better than some people think. That's all I'm going to say. Um, let's move on to um, Juju, the, the big signing yesterday. Um, and Allen Robinson, we, we can hit him too. I, look, Robinson was a good signing um, and obviously we talked about Beckham and, you know, Beckham may not go back to the Rams now. Bobby Woods may get moved. Um, but Robinson's a good fit for Stafford, should play outside consistently, should do well. Um, real quick, we can hit DJ Shark. Don't love the fit for him. Uh, but I do really like what his perimeter speed is going to do for, for TJ Hawkinson and for Amon Ross St. Brown. So this is a situation where, yeah, they bring in another guy who's talented, but I think, you know, and again, I could be wrong here, but I think this is going to help St. Brown more than it hurts him. Um, and again, before we get to you, one more small one. Braxton Barrios to the Jets. 
this guy's a deep league PPR gem. You're going to be able to get him on the cheap. Um, and I think he's a gem no matter what. Now, he may not hit, but for price, he's a great ad. I think he's a really good ad if you happen to be leaning on any of the other Jet receivers. Because basically, what should happen here? I mean, as the Jets stand now, uh, it looks like Corey Davis probably playing the X and Elijah uh, Moore playing on the other side with Barrios in the slot. But clearly, the Jets... You know, you've, you've got two first-rounders, you've got two second-rounders, and a draft steeped with first- and second-round talent at the position. There's a real good chance um, that the Jets are going to just have a value receiver fall right to them. So the most likely scenario, they're going to be like four guys to look at at the, you know, at the Jets when it comes to wide receiver. Um, and um, really, when you look at it, all you're going to need is the rookie to come on slow, Elijah Mitchell to have another injury, Corey Davis to have an injury, any of those things happen, Barrios is going to be in the mix, playing heavy snaps, getting targets out of the slot. So I really, you know, do not lose track of Braxton Barrios, especially after the Jets add that next exciting receiver, which they're likely to do. Um, all right, let's talk about Juju um, before we... We're going to have not a whole lot of time to do some of this other stuff because, as usual, I've gone long. But, look, people, when it comes to Juju going to the Chiefs, which I really like, people are going to focus on why you should not get excited. And there are going to be reasons like, you know, the fact that Juju has some parts of his, his game that aren't that strong, uh, particularly getting off the line of scrimmage against press, um, you know, getting out of uh, breaks at the top of the stem, that kind of thing. Um, people are going to talk about, the fact that the Chiefs' second receiver hasn't produced a whole lot of stats. They'll say, well, they target Hill and Kelsey so much that there's not that much left over for the three. Um, you know, this is all stuff you should think about, but Juju's a better player than the, every, all these other players they've had at the two. One of the reasons things have gotten chopped up so much at the two is because they've had different guys playing the two. You know, you look at Hardman's stats, but is he playing the two receiver consistently? No, he's getting yanked off the field for Robinson. He's getting yanked off the field for Pringle or whoever. You know, they've had they've cobbled together the two positions, so the statistics, you almost, you almost have to add up, you know, Robinson plus Hardman plus Pringle. What do those guys do collectively when they're playing the two position? Because Smith-Schuster should get all of that, right? And then in addition, he's better than those guys. The other thing about Juju is he's a good fit stylistically for Mahomes. Obviously, anybody wants to be playing with Mahomes, but... Juju's a guy who, when the play breaks down, he's good at working back to his quarterback. He's a guy who fights for the football. So if, if when Mahomes is a trust guy who likes to throw the ball into traffic, Juju is a guy you can target in traffic. So, you know, we don't know how this is going to go. We don't know how this is going to break down. We don't know if Juju and Mahomes are going to become tight or if things are, aren't going to be, you know, like really great. We don't know how they're going to form, what the chemistry is going to be like. But I the one... And so... The people are saying don't get excited. They've got some valid reasons. These are things we should keep as part of our evaluation. They're going to affect how his range of outcomes break out. But what I'm saying is, you know, for folks who are saying, you know, essentially, you know, he's a, a third receiver maybe with, with weekly upside to be a two or a one. You know, you're going to hear stuff like that. And it's reasonable. But my point is, to me, barring injury, that's what his floor is. I don't think that's what he is. I think that's what his, that's what his floor is. Juju's ceiling would be, imagine a scenario like this. Hill stays what he is, and people are, are, are double-teaming him constantly. Kelsey takes an incremental step, step back because of his age. He's into his 30s now. You know, Kelsey, I don't know if Kelsey was the Kelsey we've seen in prior years last year. He's just so, the thing about Travis Kelsey is he plays with a great quarterback. 
He's got an alpha that pulls some coverage, so he's not completely draped on with coverage. And he's a great football player. So Travis Kelsey, from his peak, can take several steps down in this offense and still be a very good football player and produce for fantasy, right? So, but as that happens, some of his targets will start moving around. And if Schuster develops a nice you know, tight relationship with um, Mahomes, do not be surprised if he's getting eight targets every week, making a big play every week, scoring touchdowns like every other week or more. Like like Juju Smith-Schuster catching 75, 80 balls for, you know, 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns would not shock me a bit. Wouldn't shock me a bit. I'll, I'll, I'll close with this. Think about Juju, Smith, Juju Smith-Schuster in the paradigm that he's had success in, he had success when he was playing with a younger Roethlisberger and when they had that offense clicking with Antonio Brown drawing huge amounts of coverage. He's going to return to a similar paradigm here, but it's going to be better because Mahomes is better. So you're going to have that elite receiver. You're also going to have an elite tight end. And so when you think about Juju now, think about him in that third player role where he's the guy who's got all the advantages. Um, his weaknesses will be minimized, his strengths will be elevated, and you've got the potential for a guy to hit for some ceiling here. So again, I'm not saying ignore the problems. What I'm saying is think about what how this actually is probably going to shake out. There's so many things that can help him move towards ceiling and away from floor here. So I, I, I think it's good to view him that way. I'm not saying take Juju in the third round for a whole bunch of reasons. First one is you're not going to have to. But I, it, let's see where his ADP settles, and then we'll talk about where he should go. Obviously, the other things the Chiefs do between now and then uh, could play a part as well. Um, okay, I think time-wise we're sort of hitting a wall here. There's uh, definitely some other players I want to talk about, uh, but let's, we're going to have to save some of it uh, for tomorrow. L let's talk about two coaching changes. This is not going to be the last time we talk about either one of these, uh, but um, I, I find both of them compelling. First of all, Denver... Um, you know, I don't know if Fangio really deserved to be fired. I don't think uh, he was the problem there. Um, and I don't know if Nathaniel Hackett's going to be a better head coach or not. Um, but look, Hackett's a guy who's going to get a, ho a head coaching shot at some point. One thing that sort of bugs me here is them not retaining Mike Munchak. If you watch, the one thing that's kept the Broncos competitive offensively, and this goes across the last couple coaching staffs, at least the guys calling the plays, is, Hack, um, is, is Munchak. They have gotten excellent offensive line play regardless of the quality of talent on the offensive line. So, A, and I know that, you know, Hackett wants a guy who's a West Coast guy, whatever. Okay, well, we'll see how you do. We'll see who you pick. I'm not going to, you know, Hackett's been a successful offensive coordinator, and he's done it with bad quarterbacks. Him failing with Russell Wilson with all the surrounding talent is unlikely. But I do think we want to pay attention to how the Russell Wilson success you know, what it's actually going to look like. It might not look as aggressive as people think, and we'll talk about that as this thing shakes out. This is an offense that's going to be efficient, okay? Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, you know, Albert Okawugaboogaboo. I've got to get that last name better, right? But let's call him Albert O for now. There's a lot of talent there, right? And they've got some, some talent behind that as well. You've potentially got a double-ended backfield, at least one stud running back, maybe a guy behind him who's very good as well if they bring Gordon back. So, you know, this is a team loaded with talent. And they can be balanced. So, it, you know, for people hoping that, you know, Russ is going to get away from Pete Carroll and now it's going to be an air show, eh, I don't know about that. Don't know about that. Um, and Wilson's going to be good. There's no doubt. But, you know, 
is he suddenly going to be throwing the ball over the field? I don't know. The good news is I don't think you're going to have to wait for fourth quarter stats every week with Russ. I think it's going to be a balanced thing from the get-go, um, and I do think he'll be more efficient early in games. I think it's, I do think we're going to get a better Russell Wilson, but the idea that he's suddenly just going to be unleashed and you know be throwing it all over the field, I got my doubts on that. Um, Yeah, let's just let's 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 kill Hackett for now. We'll talk about him more at a later date. Let's go down to Jacksonville. Urban Meyer out, obviously. That just had to happen. We can talk about why Meyer failed. I think the biggest reason is the guy didn't want to do the work. You know, could he be an NFL coach? Maybe if it was going to happen, it needed to be like 10, 15 years ago when he was a young guy trying to make his name. Urban Meyer's a guy where in his mind he's already a Hall of Fame guy. He shouldn't have to bust his butt, and he doesn't. Um, and he's never going to coach in the NFL. We know that now. We can forget about Urban Meyer. The good news is Doug Peterson landing there is huge. I would have been happy with Leftwich, but in some ways Peterson's better because we just know what he does. I love this for Trevor Lawrence. Peterson has gotten the most out of Carson Wentz. He's gotten the most out of freaking Nick Foles. This is a guy who can coach the quarterback position. He played the quarterback position. You know, is he going to be a great head coach? I don't know. But he's going to be good for Trevor Lawrence. As I mentioned before, I think he's going to be really good for Evan Engram. Uh, Christian Kirk, I think, is going to find success here. I think this whole offense should be better. You should have a rising tide. It should lift some of the boats. You know, as, as we move through, as we see what other players they add, we'll talk about, you know, LaVisca Chenault and how this is going to break out for him. Um, but Jacksonville, offensively, I really like the direction with Peterson. Um, and I, I'm very bullish. Um on Trevor Lawrence, and I think if he is a guy you can get cheap in Dynasty right now, relatively cheap, obviously, um, I really like the idea of getting Trevor Lawrence. Um, if he was in a super flex draft this year, he'd be the number one pick on my board. Um, so just, you know, I want each week I want to go through some of these uh, coaching and offensive coordinator shifts um, and talk about that. I didn't really get to um, the splitting of the uh, the Cardinals running backs and, and a couple other players. We'll talk about them uh, in the coming days. Um, but right now, let's jump over because before we leave, I want to talk about some of these rookies. Um, we'll see how many we can get to today, hopefully two or three. All right. So to close out today's show, we're going to hit a couple, uh, just a couple points on some rookies. Uh, none of this is really finalized stuff. I'm still uh, doing a lot of film stuff, watching a lot of players, uh, putting my board together. Uh, having a lot of fun, really. This is uh, an interesting class for me. This is really the kind of class I like because, you know, there's a lot of guys to like. Um, we may be a little bit light on truly elite players, or at least guys we can comfortably project to be truly elite um, types of players. Um, but I really think there are also a lot of guys in this draft who are, are just going to be forced into the second round because I think there's more than a you know uh, than one round full of you know desirable talent. Um, so, you know, we're going to, we're going to have some of the, you know, the Cooper Cup, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, uh, types of buys in the second round. Uh, the question is, uh, identifying them ahead of time. And, uh, that's what I'll be spending, you know, the next month or so on. So, um, a couple things, uh, going into the combine, one of the things I thought was that I was going to have to, uh, sell, uh, Brees Hall, but that is no longer going to be the case because, uh, Brees went in there and just sort of blew the top off the joint. Um, I'm a big fan of his game. Um, if he had had a mediocre combine, I, I actually probably would have been happy because it wouldn't have it wouldn't have scared me off the player because I just love 
the way he runs. Um, I love the diversity in the way he runs. He's inside, outside. I think he's not scheme dependent. He can play pretty much anywhere. Um, and I really like um, him as a receiver as well. He's just a good all-around back uh, with a lot of good physical traits, but also really good at the game. Um, I will do, you know, uh, an individual walkthrough on Brees, but at this point, <laughs> he's sort of universally the RB1 on my board until further notice he's the player one uh, there aren't any receivers in this draft um, at, at, you know at this point in time that I would want to take over Brees Hall in a dynasty league now maybe I come to a different conclusion after you know another four weeks of working on this I sort of doubt it uh, I sort of doubt it um, now let's let's move over for a second and let's let's talk about I don't know what do we call it the the Traylon Burks dilemma. Now, Burks is interesting because I was below consensus on Burks going into the combine, um, and and below consensus in the sense that I didn't, he didn't seem like a lock monster, you know, the next big time guy to me. He looked like a guy who had some of these potentials. You know, he looked like a guy maybe he could be one of those guys. Um, but I had questions just based on what I was watching on film. One of the things that really caught my eye, and, and versatility can be a strength. Versatility can be something where it's masking weaknesses, right? Um, so, you know, the, the fact that Traylon Burks lines up all over the place, the fact that he can uh, function in a lot of different ways, now that's a positive for sure, but is the reason he's being used that way covering up a negative? And, and um, you know, I'm going to be digging more and more into this guy's film. I'm going to try to get as much... Um, as much of a look at him in, in press and jam situations because I think that can be an issue for him. Um, but, I, you know, when we, you know the, the thing with Traylon Burks, and I, 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 there's no way I'm the first person to say this, but, you know, there are scary comps. <laughs> there are scary comps out there. Uh, but I'm not scared. I'm not scared of scary comps. I'm, I, it's, it, it underscores what we need to figure out which I think is a good thing. And if we can't figure it out, then we have to sort of value him accordingly. It doesn't mean we take him off our board. It means we want him to, to come to us versus jumping up to get him or, or whatever. Um, I mean, Traylon Burks is a player... I know right now there are 100%, and this is not this is not like breaking news here, but I want Traylon Burks on my dynasty rosters. The question is, is he going to be available in a price range where he's going to end up uh, on my dynasty rosters? And I don't know the answer to that question yet. Um, now, I do think he's better than his time speed, for what it's worth. Um, you know, he's a guy who carries his pads really, really well. Um, so I don't think the straight line speed is maybe as big of a problem as folks might think it is, but clearly it's not a strength, right? So, you know, for people who are like, you know, comparing him to DK Metcalf, you know, DK Metcalf blew the lid off of speed. He had some other issues uh, that scared people off. Um, so, I, you know, this is not a uh, DK Metcalf situation uh, remotely. These are different players. Um, you know, when we look at Traylon Burks, you know, and you know, I, and 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 again, my comps don't come from a statistical place; they just come from a film place. But, um, and obviously, if you did analytics on this, you'd probably come up with a lot of the same names because these are, you know, a lot of biggish types of receivers. But if you just sort of go back towards, you know, I think, gosh, I think I went back to two thousand and fourteen. You know, we we want to when we look at Traylon Burks, we want to think about guys who didn't really make it. Some of these guys made it a little, some of these didn't make it at all. 
Um, some of these guys' injuries are a factor. But, you know, when we look at guys like Denzel Mims and, and Keel Harry, um, uh, guys like uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, Miles Boykin, uh, Hakeem Butler, I think, is the, is the famous example of this syndrome, um, if we want to put a name on it. Uh, Josh Doxson, uh, you know, Kevin White. Now, now Doxson and White, I think we could point to some physical ailments and say, hey, maybe we never saw what these guys could be. You know, you can go down that road, but they belong, I think, in, in the group. Uh, Doriel Green Beckham uh, is another one. Devin Funchess, I think, is another one. Kelvin Benjamin. Um, now, we can go back to each one of these about 10 players that I just went through, right? And we can, you know, we can isolate individual reasons why they failed and try to make reasons why, well, Traylon Burks doesn't like this guy, he's not like that guy. But there, when you look at it as a whole, when you look at the group, there are through lines that could put him in this group. So let's look at this with open eyes, I guess, is my point. So Traylon Burks is a guy, he's the type of player I'm going to be putting in extra work on. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with him. Um, but I think it's important to understand why he would fail. And then the other thing we want to understand is, if this guy is successful, why is he going to be successful? What type of offense would he be successful in? Um, I mean, like I said, I know right now that I want Traylon Burks on my teams. The question is, how much do I want him, right? Um, you know, can Traylon Burks be an X, right? Like a guy like Enkeel Harry... I, you know, we don't know if he is not an NFL player, but we know that he's not like a pure X. He can't just sit there on the line of scrimmage against a quality press coverage, uh, press quarterback, and, you know, run stick routes, get open. He's not going to do it. If you want to incorporate the positive aspects of a guy like Inkeel Harry, you need to find creative ways to do it. Does that so? Does that make him a bad player? No, but it do, it makes him the kind of player where you can't use him as a primary chess piece. You can't say we're putting him out here at the X, and now your defense is going to have to sort of flow from that point. They can sit there and take a big-bodied corner with marginal speed, stick him up on a guy like Harry, and deal with him. So you don't gain a lot by putting him there, right? Um, Traylon Burks could have similar problems. It's possible. Um, and I'm going to be working on that over the next month to see how much of a hairy problem he might have. Um, and maybe, maybe, maybe he doesn't. And then the other side of this is, does he go to a team where we don't think that's how he's going to be deployed? Does he go to a team where we think that the offensive coordinator plans on using him uh, you know, much the way he was used in college? Now, I don't think this guy's Debo Samuel, but he could be a Debo Samuel-ish kind of guy, meaning... Get him the ball in space, you know, you know, a Lavisca Chenault, but a little bit more uh, refined, that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, I've already, I've probably already put in, you know, a good five hours on Traylon Burks. Uh, I would say that I'm really in the infancy stage of the amount of time I'm going to put in on this player. Um, so that's where I am with this guy. I think it's. In, in, you know, in my opinion, don't give up on this guy just yet. Um, I also think we want to look at like how the combine went down for him. Was he running heavy? Was he running light? Um, you know, are we going to get any indication that he's going to change? Pro day could be important for this guy. Um, and, and I am not heavy into all the data at this point. I'm trying, quite frankly, um, to avoid combine data right now. And I'm trying to avoid a lot of the pro day data as it starts coming out because I really want to focus on learning these guys as players. And I don't want to pre-pollute uh, what I'm seeing uh, with off-field data. I, as you guys know, eventually I'm going to assimilate all that stuff, but uh, or 
whatever. Uh, but right now, I'm really trying to profile these guys. What do they do well on the football field? And Traylon Burks does a lot of things well on a football field. Um, okay, um, let, let's hit let's hit one more rookie, uh, and we're going to be doing more and more rookie stuff, I think, um, on each podcast. Uh, but one guy I sort of like, and he doesn't seem to be moving up boards. Uh, uh, you know, he's coming off of an injury, and he sort of had sort of a weird college career uh, where he was great early and has sort of faded the last two years via injury and whatever. Hasn't had real consistent high-level QB uh, play. But I'm talking about George Pickens um, out of Georgia. And I, I, this is a player I really like. You know, I watched George Pickens... And look, there, there's there's some issues here, right? Obviously, we need him uh, to be healthy. We need him to have the movement skills that he had pre-injury, and I, we haven't seen that yet. Um, but the fact that he ran well at the Combine is an indication that at the very least he's got a lot of his speed back. I think ultimately he can be a step faster than he was at the Combine. Um, but this is just a real interesting player to me. How to comp a guy like Pickens is interesting because to me, uh, maybe the most obvious comp might be a guy like... Um, like a Marvin Jones, um, but, but he's very different than Marvin Jones. I mean, physically, he looks like Marvin Jones a little bit. Doesn't I think he's a little, not quite as uh, strong as Marvin Jones. Jones is a little more, a little more compact. Um, he's a little longer, um, and he doesn't. I don't think he's got as much upper body heft as Jones did. I think he's a little easier to knock off his route. Um, you know, for those who go back to the. Todd Pinkston days. He's he's got some Pinkston problems, maybe, maybe. Um, but the, the 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 thing about Pickens is, while he reminds me a little bit of Marvin Jones in some ways, I think you know the ball skills and the length. Um, he also reminds me of some guys who are a little bit uh, shorter than him. He reminds me a little bit of Paul Richardson in terms of, you know, uh, he's very sudden. Um, and he also, unfortunately, reminds me of Richardson in terms of how willing he is to sell out his body, which is a potential problem when you are built like him. Um, and then another guy he sort of reminds me of, and you know, some people might even laugh at this, but Deontay Johnson. Um, uh, now, Johnson's a guy with big hands, but they're not soft. Um, uh, Pickens is a guy with smaller hands, but they are fairly soft. Um, but the, 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 the thing that reminds me, the, the reason I see some Richardson and some Deontay uh, in Pickens is because I really like him in terms of release, in terms of his agility, uh, his, his ability to, to, to do some different things off the release. Um, and I think he's a guy who might be able to uncover quickly in the NFL. And as we've seen over the last couple seasons, these guys who can get off the line of scrimmage, who can uncover quickly, um, they have value. Uh, these guys find homes. So uh, Pickens is a guy who I think um, I have more work to do on him. Uh, I do think there are some red flags, some potentially injury stuff related to the fact that he already has an injury history and he does play a little bit. I love the aggression, but sometimes he doesn't love his body enough. He's too willing to land uh, in, in funky ways. Think Paul Richardson, think Big Mike Williams. Um, but uh, so those those are three rookies that uh, I've been spending some time on lately. Um, and uh, but we're gonna I'm gonna try to hit as many of the top 50 uh, rookies in terms of ADP um, on this podcast as I can uh, between now and the draft. And obviously, we'll be talking about them after uh, the draft as well. So hey. Uh, thanks very much uh, for tuning in today uh, for the uh, Rotobon reboot. Uh, I'm going to be trying to do as many of these as I can. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, uh, I will be back either tomorrow or maybe uh, on Monday uh, with another pod. We'll be talking about some uh, more news. It just keeps breaking, doesn't it? Uh, and uh, 
and uh, uh, thanks to all the people who are already back uh, listening to the pod. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll get the whole crew back at some point. But hey, when you take this long uh, of a break, uh, it takes a little time to restart. So I feel I feel you guys. I hear you. Um, so once again, thanks again, and uh, we'll we'll see you next time on the Ronabon Pod.